Well, we start our time together today with a story. And as it was so eloquently stated in Dragnet, ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Now, okay, unfortunately, this story is about my family, <laughs> and it's local, and we were totally not innocent, so there, there you have it. We love our local hair salon. The owner is a big reason why we love our local hair salon, because she is so kind and gracious, and she's super hospitable every time we come in, even despite the fact that I have four little ones that are coming in the door with me. Naturally, corralling children in a series of haircuts is its own kind of chaos, but we try to make it work. Now, on one fateful afternoon, we were juggling the shifting of children from chair to chair and getting their haircuts, and inevitably, one of the children said, I have to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm, y'all know. And so one of the older ones took one of the younger ones, and they went. And it was quiet, and after several minutes, though, we heard the undeniable sound of something shattering. Something fragile. Something that is no longer with us. <laughs> May it rest in peace is. So I went back, I, I left the kids, I went back and I went into the restroom to take a look and to my horror, this beautiful vase or vase or however you want to say it was now Picassoed all over the bathroom floor. My heart dropped like the vase and I stared at the crime scene and in that moment I realized that it was a lost cause. I mean, there was no recovery from this. There were pieces everywhere and I, I, the only thing I could do was to walk out of the door, go back to the owner and tell her what happened. I offered to clean it up but she was so gracious. She had broom in hands and her dustpan and was ready. She said, no, 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 that's quite all right. It's no problem. But I realized, I realized by her expression, as well as a subtle shift in her body language, that this face had a lot more value than just monetary value. I felt terrible. And not because of the owner, because she was super kind and gracious as she could be, which kind of made me feel worse. But she was so understanding even when I knew that we had broken something that could not be fixed and probably couldn't even be replaced. So y'all ever have children around you, you know you always have an exit plan, right? Now I was standing in the balcony when I came in because usually when we come you hear us and you see us because we're up in the balcony. <laughs> but we always have a place where you can get out quick. Well now is the time to enact the emergency exit plan. So with a flood of apologies and a guilt-ridden tip, we left the premises. Honestly, with the intention to never return again. I just couldn't imagine showing my face at this business again, or bringing my sweet but highly destructive little wildlings into this business again. I just felt, I felt so badly. 
And so I avoided the charming little salon with the beautiful owner and all the wonderful staff for a long, long time. Now, eventually we did go back. And those feelings of guilt slowly uh, were alleviated as we continued to frequent the salon and we were extended such gracious hospitality and true kindness time and time again. But for me, that moment was a reminder. As much as we want and hope and think that everything can be fixed, that there's an answer or solution to everything, sometimes things get broken that can't be fixed. Some situations, when we are at our worst, when we say the wrong things and we speak words that we wish we never had spoken, but there's no taking them back, times when we have failed to live up to our own standards and the expectations of everybody around us, times and moments when we make epic, epic mistakes that we just can't fix. There's no easy course correction. It just, it just is. But that doesn't mean that it's the end of the story. And it doesn't mean that all is lost. Peter's story is just that. It's a story of adventure, and it's a story of bravery as he's like proclaiming, you are Christ, and like there's all these wonderful heroic moments, but then there's a lot of really bad points in Peter's story too. Times when there's cowardice and failure. But ultimately, it is a story that is redeemed out of love. When we catch up with Peter today in the scripture that we just read, it's near the end of the book of John, and a lot has happened already. But in this moment, we find Peter doing the most mundane of things. He's basically back at his job, his Monday morning work. He's at the lake fishing, doing something that he has probably done and probably worked at for his entire life. Sitting there fishing with his brother and his co-workers, something he knows well. It's something out of the spotlight, something that is away from the horrors that took place in Jerusalem. Now, it's been a long and unsuccessful night of fishing, <laughs> and I imagine that he was as thrilled to see that sun coming up with empty nets as a student is when the sun rises and you still have a bunch of blank pages on your paper. But then, as that morning fog is starting to dissipate, you can see a figure on the shore. And he looks a little closer. And then he realizes it's Jesus. And Peter, with, and this is how I picture Peter, with this like Labrador puppy enthusiasm, you know, tail wagging, jumping into everything, so excited all the time, jumps out of the boat into the frigid water and, and hightails it to shore to meet with Jesus and have a very wet breakfast. And so as he's sitting there, though, he's sitting there, Jesus already has the fire made, it's crackling, it probably is nice and warm after a long, hard night of fishing, and he's sitting there by the fire, and the flames, and then the person he's with, 
the last time that he was around a fire in the name of Jesus came up <laughs> in conversation. Hmm. The words of Jesus echoing in his mind, even as Jesus is sitting there serving him breakfast. Before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And then when he's gathered around another fire in a courtyard, and that sense of panic when he's recognized as one of the disciples, and that shameful response that he'll never get out, that's been burned into his memory, I don't know that man. That same man that he's breaking bread with and sharing breakfast with on the shore. Some things that are broken can't be fixed. Some things that are said can't be taken back. But sometimes it's love that brings us back to the table. When we deeply hurt or betray somebody that we love, it has a way of imprinting on our hearts. And shame has a funny way of burrowing in to the deep places of our character, morphing how we move in this world and really corrupting how we love other people. Many of you are probably familiar with uh, the author and speaker Brene Brown, and she specializes in shame. And she defines shame as the intensely painful feelings or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something that we've experienced or something we've done or something that we haven't done or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. And she goes on to state that shame is much more likely to be the source of destructive, hurtful behavior than a solution or a cure. And that, that the fear of disconnection can make us dangerous. This is why this moment of connection between Jesus and Peter on the lakeshore is so poignant. It is so beautiful. Because before the story of Pentecost, with the, the sound like a mighty rushing wind and the tongues of, of flame, there is this small, intimate moment. This small, intimate moment that's shared around a meal. But I think it's critical. I think it's critical because it's a critical piece of Peter's story. There, there was something that had to happen, had to happen to Peter before he could get up and proclaim Christ at Pentecost. Because first, Peter had to have his story redeemed. So he's sitting there, and breakfast is done, and he's staring at the dying flames, probably lost in his own thoughts when they're interrupted by Jesus, asking, do you love me? And Peter, surprised and glancing up, and when again, Jesus asks, do you love me? Peter, fighting back those tears that he had cried bitterly the night of the betrayal, when Jesus asked one last time, do you love me? 
Peter realizing in his heart that despite all that had transpired, everything he had done wrong, (laughs) the horrific and shameful mistake of denying his teacher, his beloved rabbi, the (laughs) God in the flesh, but despite all of that, that at this moment it was affirmation, yes, he loves Jesus. And Jesus loves him. And Jesus is inviting him to continue in his story of discipleship. The moment of betrayal was not the whole story. Jesus isn't testing Peter, but he is assuring Peter. He's saying, you love me, so go feed my sheep. Your story is not a single story of moral failure. Your love for me and my love for you, your story is one that is ultimately rooted in love. The love God has in redeeming the story of this world. So this is the story that we are invited into. This story of redemption. This space, this table, is an invitation to the peace and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And just as Peter was invited by Jesus to a meal by a lakeshore so many years ago, Jesus is inviting us to this table today. And just as Peter was longing for his story to be redeemed, who among us doesn't have a part of our story that we want to be redeemed by Christ? So we too come to this table with our own painful past, longing for Christ to offer his forgiveness and cleansing power. So whatever you've done, (laughs) whatever shame is still tugging at your heart, keeping you from embracing a new life in Christ, remember that in the name of Jesus Christ, we've been forgiven. We have been forgiven so that we can be nourished at this table so that we can be empowered by his grace to go and to offer that story of redemption to others. We can be one with Christ, and we can be enveloped in a story with saints from long ago and saints who will will be stretching out generations after us. And all of us are brought together here and now in this beautiful mystery of Eucharist as we participate in God's unfolding story in our world today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.